this is perfectly timed because we have now reached the final four of March Madness and uh, uh, returning friend of the pod, Nate Cohen, is here to tell us how he has taken March Madness brackets to a new Shakespearean level. Is that what you've done? That is essentially the idea. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 851, Shakespearean March Madness. The eternal question, what's the greatest Shakespeare play, has found an intriguing sports-related solution. Our friend Nate Cohen has put all of Shakespeare's plays, well, most of them, into a tournament bracket and has not only come up with some intriguing and heart-stopping matchups, but a fun way of talking about the relative strengths of Shakespeare's powerful canon. I'll post the brackets on this episode's page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, so you can follow along if you like. But first, Nate begins our conversation by telling me where the idea to do this came from. Basically, what happened was that a, a couple of friends of mine and I were, we actually originally had the idea during the World Cup. But, like, you know, we were looking at some some friend of ours who's not a Shakespeare person asked us, like, what's the greatest Shakespeare play of all time? And we were like, oh, like, somebody must have done a, like a tournament bracket sort of thing like this before. And we we couldn't find one, at least not one that was like well, well structured. Um, so we sort of nerded out about the concept of trying to do a like Shakespeare tournament style, what play is the greatest of all plays um, um, kind of thing. So yeah, so we ended up with what I have, what I have is a 32 team bracket which a la, a la March Madness style, whatever. But of course that means some plays didn't make the cut. Yeah. You've already eliminated, yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious whether you feel like my my initial eliminations were were too aggressive or not, um, or or if you disagree if you disagree with any of the the plays that didn't make the the bracket, you should be able to see now how I've how I've laid it all out. Right. Okay. All right. I'm I'm. Uh, uh, yeah. This is this looks like a solid layout. What have you not helped me with the ones that you eliminated right off the bat? The, the most controversial things I feel like are going to be like, what were the number one seeds and what got eliminated? So the things, the things I eliminated, the way that I did it is I went through the three big categories, tragedies, comedies, histories, and just ranked them based off of like my impressions and conversations I've had. The best is also like, anytime you get into this, it's like, are we talking like greatest in terms of scope and like gravity in the world of theater? Or are we talking personal preference? There's a little bit of both. Um, but so I, I ranked them one through 11 in each of the categories and whatever didn't make one through 11 got bumped. And then I, I cut the bottom history too, because I I think the, the, the low end histories are generally worse than the low end comedies and tragedies. And well, yeah, Henry VIII, you could strike off immediately. Yeah, well, see, this is why this is why it's good for us to talk about it because I, I think I probably I probably maybe put Henry VIII too high. Um, oh, I see. Henry VIII is a five seed. That's yeah. a controversial move right there. It's, exactly. Well, so so what got cut? Let's start. And if and if you want to pull, we can we can swap something that got cut in for Henry VIII very very easily. So, um, <laughs> what ended up not making the cut was two noble kinsmen, Fair. Pericles, 
Mm, Love, I... Loves Labor's Lost. Uh-huh. Two Gentlemen of Verona. All's well that's in all the all's well that ends well. Uh, and Troilus and Cressida. Interesting. I think the only one I would make a, uh, uh, an argument for is Pericles. Okay. I think I would that's replace it. Henry VIII with Pericles. Okay, good. So then the important question there is, is if we're replacing Henry VIII with Pericles, does that mean that we're making Henry, that we're making Pericles the five seed or does something else want to bump a little bit higher than it? Well, I mean, just off the top of my head, Pericles as a five seed feels right. Yeah, great. Let's do it. It's and not. I think some people would make an argument for Love's Labors. Um, yeah. But it's... The comedies was the hardest one, I felt like. Yeah. Um, um, I, could, I, I would have, like, like I, could, I could take Love's Labors without feeling sad over either Measure for Measure or Winter's Tale, personally. Mm, but... Yes. Um, uh, I, yeah, the, the Winter's Tale is, is, is probably... Where, where do you have the Winter's Tale? Let's see. Win, Winter's Tale, at the moment, I think is a seven seed. Or it might be the highest of the eight seeds. That, uh, but that feels right. I, that's I, I'm not as much of a fan of the Winter's Tale as many many people are. It's one of the few yeah. few of Shakespeare's plays I prefer to read than see. Yeah, yeah, agreed. <laughs> um, but looking, up, I'm I'm just I'm I'm just my eye is going all over your your brackets here, and your yeah. one seeds feel very very strong. Hamlet. Yeah, I mean. It- Midsummer, Romeo and Juliet, Henry V. Yeah, I I will say this was the 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 history first seed was a was a tough one for me because personally I'm a I'm a Henry the Fourth Part One is my favorite of the histories person, but I feel like Henry V has more like a little more clout is like a little bit better known and it was it was close enough that I that I bumped it up and and put part one as the the two seed, even though part one is maybe my personal favorite Shakespeare play. Well, and I but, think that's fair because a reputation absolutely goes into these seedings. Yeah. It's not just the record of the team itself. It's it's well, how that team is perceived. Exactly. And, and you know, sometimes, sometimes Alabama gets seeded higher than San Diego State when maybe San Diego State's a better team. Stuff happens. And this is why we play the tournament. To find exactly. out who the um, seed San Diego State should really be, you'll appreciate this when we when we did the initial like round of this with this group of my friends. Two of them are are not necessarily theater people, but people who like have done have seen a lot of theater, like did some theater in college, etc. And one of them is not; he's like a high school math teacher. Uh, and one of the tiebreakers we had was asking him literally if he'd ever heard of the play or not. And if the answer was yes for one and no for another, then that would would bump them up. So like he had heard of uh, he had heard of King John and he had not heard of Pericles, and that's part of why it like stacked that way. Interesting, so, yeah. interesting. Well, yeah, I mean that, but that's a funny thing too about the NCAA is like the only thing I know about Gonzaga is that they historically have a great basketball, a very good basketball team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, would it be helpful for me to just read the seeds really quickly for? Yeah, do for the sake of yeah. Okay. For, the, so for the, the people who, for the listeners who aren't looking at the you can't see our, our awesome bracket. Yeah. Um. So the one seeds are Hamlet, A Midsummer Night's Dream, uh, Henry V, and Romeo and Juliet. The two seeds are As You Like It, Henry the Fourth Part One, King Lear, and The Tempest. The three seeds are Richard the Third, Macbeth, Twelfth uh, Night, and Richard the Second. The four seeds are Othello, Henry the Fourth, Part Two, uh, Much Do About Nothing, and Julius Caesar. 
The fives are Comedy of Errors, Pericles, Titus Andronicus, and Taming of the Shrew. The sixes are Henry VI Part Two, Merchant of Venice, Coriolanus, and Henry VI Part One. The sevens are Antony and Cleopatra, Merry Wives of Windsor, Henry VI Part Three, and uh, Timon of Athens. Uh, and then the eight seeds are um, uh, Winter's Tale, King John, Cymbeline, and Measure for Measure. That, you know, just hearing you list them like that, those feel really right to me. I felt pretty good about this. I spent like a non-zero amount of time, <laughs> borderline yeah. embarrassing amount of time doing some like, oh man. But yeah, and like, so so the way that it was, the way that the seating worked, like when I ultimately put it in the bracket was like I said, I, I ranked each category. And then, so the one seeds were the one, 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 and then the number two of the tragedies. And then the two seeds were the two, the two, and then the number three and the number three of the next two, kind of like that. So that it, because there's, you need four areas, not just three. So what well, I liked about that though, is that it, it meant that the, the, the only other version of the bracket that I'd seen before did all of the comedies versus each other, all of the histories versus each other, all of the tragedies versus each other, which to me feels like then you're basically just arguing which category is best yeah. as opposed to like the actual merits of the individual plays. So this, this kind of mixed it up a little bit. I like that a lot. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. And it's funny, you, 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 my initial instinct was to go, oh, why is King John even on here? But, but King John does have some lovely bits. <laughs> he has, yeah. King, King John has some lovely strengths that maybe it's not a great team overall, <laughs> a great play yeah. overall, but it does have a great shooter. It has a great little couple yeah, exactly. of exactly. And like one of my one of my favorite Shakespeare productions I've ever, I've ever seen was a production of King John in a theater that was under a tube station in London, and like the trains would roll by overhead like every ten minutes or whatever. Uh, but it was like they did all this cool stuff with like flashlights, and they like built a whole castle rampart out of like stacks of chairs, and had really did like cool puppetry for the kids. Like it was just there was like a, I was like, there's a lot you can do a lot with this play, even though it's maybe not the best play of all time, but it, it, it affords a lot of really interesting opportunities once you like get it up on its feet. Can you talk more about how much your seedings were affected by productions you've seen? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I will say to some extent, uh, a, a decent amount. I think one of the things that bugs me the most about the way Shakespeare gets talked about a lot of the time is Oh, it's it's just literature now. Like we just read it, we don't have to worry. And it's like it's literally written to be performed. <laughs> like, um, and like the language is written to be evoking your imagination and to be performed on this often like you know bare stage with not a lot going on. And where there's this kind of beautiful collective gesture of how are we bringing the audience into the thing here? So some of the plays get bumped up for me when I when I for sure when I saw like really really good productions of them or really good performances of them. Um, I, I got lucky enough. The Tempest, part of the reason The Tempest is so high for me is that I, I saw two really incredible productions of it, both up at the Stratford Shakespeare Festival. One that was literally the final, the closing show of the final performance of William Hutt, the like incredible, and like people threw roses onto the stage for like 15 minutes after the show. It was amazing. Um, and then a few years later, I saw it with Christopher Plummer as Prospero. Wow. Um, and so like that one, reason it's so high is because I've I've seen so many incredible productions of it including also one at Chicago Shakes when I was 12 that was one of the first 
is like one of the plays that made me fall in love with theater. They did this incredible thing with a like ship rigging that came down from the ceiling and swayed and just like water poured down. And I was like, you can do that in a play? And I was like 11 years old with my eyes like the size of dinner plates. So that one, that one, you know, definitely is like bumped up a little higher than I think some people would have it because I, I have such strong, like every production of it that I've seen has been incredible kind of feelings. That's amazing. Oh. Well, and 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 uh, and you're a hundred percent right. I mean, again, I maybe I've said this already, but this is why we let the teams play. Yeah, because it's it's how these plays work on stage that is their tr is their true measure. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I think yeah. that's right, and I think P I, P I think Tempest is is appropriately ranked for sure. Yeah. I mean, one of the th one of the things I would love to see this play out, and we'll get to that in a second, is that um, uh, I, I think though Henry the Sixth Part One and Two are both six seeds. Uh, I think they do better; they can do better in performance if done right. I have yeah. I have made the argument that they might not be great history plays, but they really should be appreciated as great comedies because <laughs> there's so much more humor in those plays than I ever gets. Uh, promoted talked about yeah tell me how yeah. your brackets competed against each other well i think we should i think we should do it i think oh I okay think we should we should roll through it you you have so much more expertise about some of these than i do that i felt like i wanted to be like here it is and then let's like let's let's see what happens let's play it out all right okay a warning to my podcast listeners we will go long <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> Hi, this is Stephen Weber, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, as Shakespeare would have wanted you to. Where can you RSC the RSC? We'll perform the complete history of comedy abridged five times in April, starting this weekend in Reston, Virginia on April Fool's Day, then on April 8th at the McCarter Theater in Princeton, New Jersey, then in Pueblo, Basalt, and Lone Tree, Colorado on April 19th, 21st, and 22nd, 2023. Check out the touring page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or our Twitter feed at Reduced for the latest information. Now back to my conversation with Nate Cohen explaining his Shakespearean March Madness. Let the round of 64 begin. Um, so we'll start we'll start with the the one seed eight seeds, like Hamlet versus Winter's Tale. That's Who takes easy. that one. That's easy, easy for right? me. It's a Hamlet. It's yeah. Hamlet, yeah. Yeah. Um let's go, let's go region by region, I think, and then we'll I mean, sure. rather okay. than so, so then the next matchup is the uh, the four five on this side is uh, Othello versus Comedy of Errors. Gosh, oh my God, that is such a tough call. I think you have to give it to Othello. I think you do too. But this is why this is why it's fun to 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 genre mash. I think a little bit is because you know you're talking about like the slapstickiest, easiest entry point, like maybe of all of his plays. Yeah, in Comedy, I mean, in comedy I think of Errors versus. Well, and also Othello is problematic in ways now. I loved the court theater production that significantly trimmed the role of Iago and you really saw all the entire play from Othello's point of view and that made that play valuable to me again. Yeah. So that was Yeah, so it's a it's a fun one. I mean, this is like the you know, the sports metaphor here. This is like, you know, Othello is like the team that just runs like really good, strong, like half court offense, and Kami of Airs is the like crazy transition. Like we don't play any defense, but like we run really fast and we shoot five hundred threes and you know, yeah. Yeah, good. Um 
Okay, so next matchup is Richard III versus Henry VI, part two. That's another tough one. Uh, you have to give it to Richard III. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think it's there's there's good arguments to be made, but but it yeah. feels like a no brainer. Um, as you like it versus Antony and Cleopatra. As you like it. Yep. Um, this you know this is the as as you like it is the one that made me doubt my my tempest seating a little bit. Um, okay, then we'll go we'll go down to the next to the next round. We'll we'll get ourselves to the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, okay. Henry V versus Cymbeline. I you got to go Henry five. Yeah, yeah, not a hard one. I don't think this yeah. one's a little trickier. Titus Andronicus versus Much Ado About Nothing. Well, I, it's not tricky for me. I'm going to give it to Much Ado. Yeah. Okay, great. We'll make. It I mean, easy. I think <laughs> I also think that Titus Andronicus is meant to be comic be, through, just through its sheer excess. Yeah, but it's a you know it's a it's a gimmick play. Let's just get yeah. as bloody as we can go. <laughs> it's too it's too often. Has, yeah, yeah, it's too often taken as high drama as opposed to what I feel like it wants to be more in the tone of like a Quentin Tarantino. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. Uh, okay, Twelfth Night versus Coriolanus. Twelfth night, yeah, easy again. Uh, I do love Coriolanus. That the Tom Hiddleston production they did at the Donmar a few years ago was was yeah. pretty A plus. Yeah, um, Lear versus Henry the Sixth Part Three. Well, now you've come up to my my pet peeve. Uh-huh. Um, I think Lear is more highly ranked here, a higher seed than it should be. Than, than you'd have given it. Interesting. I find this team perpetually overrated. And yet it does deliver. Uh-huh. So, so so it might be just I don't care for it. Um, if it were up to me, I'd give it to Henry VI Part Three because there's got to be a bracket buster in here. I I think it's up to you. Let's go. That's a big that's a big bracket buster. But like stuff happens. It's it's March yeah. Madness. All right. Um. So we're going we're going six Part Three. You're good. It's um, a big. That's the first big upset of the of the of the tournament. Of the tournament. So, yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, okay. So other side. Then we're going uh, Midsummer Night's Dream versus King John. The dream. The dream. Uh, you know, again, lots, lots to more, more to say in, in favor of King John than it yeah. is often given. But uh, okay, this is a this is an interesting one. Henry the Fourth, Part Two versus Pericles. Well, I'll give it to Pericles. Okay. I yeah, have seen I, I have seen more successful productions of Pericles than I have seen successful productions of Hamlet, which I think is a measure of Pericles's greatness. Okay. That's I I believe that. We'll see we'll see how how deep it that could be one of the one of the it could be an interesting uh, bracket buster here. Uh okay, then we're going uh Macbeth versus Merchant of Venice. I'll give it to Macbeth. Yeah. That's a that's an easy call for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think there is a strong argument you could have made that Macbeth ought to have been uh, ought to have maybe been seated above King Lear. This is one where the the selection committee maybe got too cute. That's fair. Perhaps, I think but, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that would have been a tougher of, call. The Lear versus Merchant yeah. would have been a tougher. Yeah. Call. yeah, would have been a tougher call. Yeah. Uh, Merry Wives of Windsor versus Henry the Fourth Part One. Henry Four Part One. Henry yeah, I think the yeah. two seed dominates the seven seed there. Yeah. Uh, okay, then final final region of the bracket. We're going Romeo and Juliet versus Measure for Measure. Gotta go Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, not a not a shocker there. Uh, yeah. This is this is a fun one. This is a fun Caesar uh, uh, mm. versus Taming of the Shrew. That is tough. Wow. Hmm. I yeah. have I have a much documented fondness on this podcast for Taming of the Shrew. Um, uh, 
so you know what? It's my podcast. I'm going to go with yeah. Tammy. You're going Tammy the Shrew. I love it. Um, <laughs> you know, this is one of those. This is one of those interesting things. I had a really great conversation with Shauna Cooper about this, who's who's done a couple of productions of Tammy the Shrew recently, and um, uh, in the last few years, and like it, it feels the the politics of it can feel so problematic today. Um, so navigating that in production is like a really big ask and a, and a really challenging thing to do. But from a pure comedy standpoint, like some of the scenes in especially the first half of that play are just so tight and like so well-written and have so much opportunity for physical stuff going on. Well, and, and uh, Shauna Cooper has been a guest on this podcast talking about Taming of the Shrew. Yeah. <laughs> both shared our fondness for it. Uh, okay. Richard the second versus Henry the sixth part one. Ooh, despite my fondness for the Henry sixes, I, I think I have to go Richard the second here. Yeah. Yeah. That seems correct. Uh, and then the final round of the, uh, the opening round here, time of Athens versus the Tempest. The Tempest. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh, I, I, I don't like King Lear, but it's as a rewrite of Time and of Athens, it's an improvement. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we got a sweet 16 now, uh, uh, in, in the first region, uh, it's Hamlet, Othello, Richard the third, as you like it in the second region, it's Midsummer Night's Dream, Pericles, Macbeth, Henry the fourth, part one, third region is Henry five, much ado, 12th night, Henry the sixth, part three, and a big upset. Uh, and then the final region is Romeo and Juliet, Tammy the Shrew, Richard the Second, and the Tempest. Well, this is a drag, you know. I you advance Henry the Sixth Part uh, Two to the second round, but it's gonna get crushed by Twelfth Night. It's gonna get crushed by Twelfth Night, yeah. But that's how yeah. it happens, you know. Like, yeah. like, um, you know, Farley Dickinson, incredible upset in round one, and then they lost by like twenty five points or something, and like that's you know that's how it goes. Like, that's, that's how it the, goes. Yeah. That's how it goes. Interesting. Um, okay, so let's let's take it back. Let's go up here. This is Hamlet versus Othello. A Hamlet. Yeah. Um, number one seeds are usually number one seeds for a reason. This yeah. is a this is this is an interesting one. Richard the Third versus As You Like It. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm gonna go Richard the Third because I, I, only because I, I think As You As You Like It doesn't become is rarely as satisfying to me and experience as productions of Richard the Third or as plays, just as bits of literature. Yeah. yeah, I think that's fair. I think um I think so much of As You Like It is like today like the big thing you have to solve when you're doing productions of that is like what does it mean when they go from the city and the palace into the forest and if mm -hmm. that transformation of the world is satisfying and yeah. like it feels like there's a whole new thing happening it's really successful and if that falls flat in any way it's like it gets kind of wonky yeah um there was a really i did see a really great production of it where the bare naked ladies wrote all the music for oh, as you like it and like that was pretty that was pretty that was pretty lit but um i think richard the third is a more consistent more consistent performer mm -hmm. um okay so then that gives us uh over here on uh, uh, second round we have midsummer night's dream versus pericles yeah number one seeds are number one seeds for a reason you gotta yep. go with the dream i think yep yep um okay mm. macbeth versus henry the fourth part one mm. Uh, I'm gonna go Henry four one. Me too. This is this is tough because these are literally I think I think two of my four favorites. Yeah, um, and I'm like a little sad they're meeting this early in the thing, but yeah, um, yeah. Much as much as Macbeth has in a, a lot of incredible, uh, I think I think Henry the fourth is more uh, more surprises in its in its yeah. journey as a play. Yeah. Um, and you get and it's you know because it's the first one like you get invested in the characters and you get to keep the characters for two whole more plays, which is pretty. It's pretty cool. 
Um, okay, then we're coming down. We're doing Romeo and Juliet versus Taming of the Shrew. Ooh, yeah, despite my fondness for Shrew, I think you have to go Romeo and Juliet. I think the 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 gravity of it, regardless of like the qualities of the play, the gravity of that one, it's it's too big to get to go out this soon. Well, and again, if you if you do Romeo and Juliet correctly, there's a lot of great comedy in there as well. Yeah, true, 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 true. Yeah. Um, okay, Richard the Second versus the Tempest. I I have to go Richard the Second because of the Ben Wishaw um, version in the hollow crown. Uh, uh-huh. It's so great. And I've seen more bad productions of the Tempest than I've seen good ones. Okay. Respect. Um, yeah. That's hard. That's a hard one. That's a heartbreaker for me, yeah. but, uh, but I yeah. agree. I, I, uh, or I, or I, or I concede maybe is the better. Well, the better and, and, and I'm not saying it's a, 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 com- a completely joyful choice for me either. No, yeah, it's a it's a it's a tricky one, but yeah, that's, there's a lot there's a lot of problems you have to solve in the tempest, and people don't always solve them. Successfully. Correct. Yeah. Um, okay. Last last part of our uh, our uh, our sweet sixteen over here. Henry V versus Much Ado About Nothing. This this uh, this could well be another heartbreaker. That this is because I really love both of those plays and have seen yeah many solid productions of both of them. I I oh gosh wow. Um, but I've also seen disappointing productions of each of them. Yeah. Um, but I and I've directed Much Ado, and and mm, so okay. I guess I'm going to go with Henry V because I've directed Much Ado, and I know how it should be done so as to not make it icky at the end. And, <laughs> and very few people have figured that out. Successfully with Much Ado. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, and then our last, our last, uh, our last sweet sixteen here is Twelfth Night versus Henry the Sixth Part Three. I, I, I think, even, despite my fondness for Henry Six Three, I think yeah. reputation of Twelfth Night is deserved, and it needs to, yeah, needs dominate to, needs here. to sit, needs yeah. to sit there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That feels like it's a, that feels like it's a solid, like it's like an eighteen point win. Yeah, but now yeah. we're not even at that. That was just the Elite Eight. And now we've really, I mean, the choices just keep getting harder and harder here. Oh, I know. This is part of the fun of it. So that was, that was the sweet 16. Now we're into the elite eight. Okay. So, so Henry the fourth versus 12th, 12th night in the, uh, in the, semi, Henry the, the semifinals. Sorry, Henry the fifth, excuse me. Henry the fifth versus 12th night. Ooh. Um, I'm going to go 12th night. Yeah, me too. There's a lot of power and strength and grief and loss in that play. Again, if you do it right. Yeah. Um, and Henry V has a lot of like wonderful, powerful versions of those things as well. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's kind of, the, it's like the classic, it's like the war play and there's just more nuance and yeah. in Twelfth Night. There's more variety in Twelfth Night for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Twelfth um, Night has a greater bench. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Uh, okay. Now we're going Romeo and Juliet uh, versus Richard II. Ooh. Yeah, the, another heartbreaker. I think, I think you have to give it R- Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, I, there's yeah. no way Romeo and Juliet. Whoever is in, ends up in the same bracket as Romeo and Juliet is 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 in the same bracket as Kentucky or Duke, both yeah, of whom have yeah. been knocked out of this year's. I was say who do sometimes lose. Like it's not yeah. impossible, but it is. But it is there, there's expectations for a reason. Um, okay, then we have this is going to be the one that breaks my heart the most because uh, I think these are my two favorite of, yeah. of the Shakespeare's. But Midsummer Night's Dream versus Henry the Fourth Part One. Well, so as to not to break your heart, and because I genuinely believe it, I think I'll go Henry Four One. Great. I think there's I, just I love there's, that. 
there's more there's more richness in Henry for one and the and the dream does get done poorly more often than not. Yeah, the fact that there's as many like high school bad high school productions of it as exist in the world really yeah. should, should count yeah. for something negatively. Yeah. yeah. Um you know it's it's interesting though cuz cuz Midsummer Night's Dream versus Romeo and Juliet would have been a fascinating a fascinating semifinal there given the way that he he is you know baking in the the uh, uh Pyramus and Thisbe narrative into Midsummer. 100%, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, and this is going to be, this is like the heaviest. This is like UNC versus Duke. Uh, Hamlet versus Richard III. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I th- I think you have to give it to Hamlet. Mm-hmm. And my, my thinking there is because I'm literally writing about Richard III right now, and it's, and it's problematic nature it's 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 ableist um yeah uh, at the best of times it's also uh an historical slander against (laughs) the actual king but it is but slander aside it's a great character and a great play but i think hamlet i think has to dominate here yeah, I, I would I would feel similarly. I think I think Richard III as a role is maybe the juicier of the two leading leading roles there. Sure. But there's there's enough there's enough stuff in Richard III that just makes you go like, oh, this is not this is not aged well in the 21st century. It hasn't aged well. And there is a lot of humor and, and fun to be had in a production of Hamlet that too far too rarely gets brought out in production. Yeah. Yeah, it can be it can be more nuanced and more layered. Okay. So this means that we are down now. We're down to the final four. Um, we have we have two number one seeds left with with Hamlet and Romeo and Juliet, and then we have a uh, a number two seed in Henry the Fourth Part One, and we have a number three seed with Twelfth Night. So yeah, that's what we're that's what we're looking at. Um, Interesting. This is gonna get this is gonna get really hard now. So Hamlet, Twelfth Night. Well, now interestingly about Hamlet and Twelfth Night is that we think that they were written right around the same time. And they have so many similarities. It's like I have argued in one of my Folger Shakespeare Library essays, I have argued that Twelfth Night is the Hamlet of the comedies. And mm. in fact, that both plays are reactions to the death of uh, Shakespeare's son, Hamnet. Both plays begin with enormous loss and and grief. And uh, Hamlet is told to forget about your grief. It's unseemly. Um, and murder and death results. Um, Viola and Olivia both share their loss with each other. They are sisters in grief, and comedy and love and marriage is the result. So for that reason, I'm going to give it to Twelfth Night. Woohoo! All right, I love it. Bring in, bring in the big, the big guns in here. Uh, the three seed takes down the one. Viola, Olivia, the comedy, the nuance, the tragedy, upsetting Hamlet, the ghosts, the sword fights, etc. Um, I love that. That's a that's I'm I'm happy about that result. Um, it's a feel good. That's a feel good story. Uh, it is okay, a feel good then, story. And no yeah, and no yeah. flies on Hamlet. No, yeah, not at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, then here we go. Henry the Fourth, Part One versus Romeo and Juliet. Wow, this is tough. 
I don't have I don't have strong enough feelings for one or the other. Do you want I can offer an I can offer an argument if you if you're interested and you can tell me what Sure. Sure. So I I would argue Henry the Fourth Part One over Romeo and Juliet. My reasoning being Romeo and Juliet, sure, the classic love story. It's been adapted, it's been whatever thousands and thousands of times. But first of all, it is itself an adaptation of you know older, older stories. And when you stop and like having done like deep dive text analysis work on Romeo and Juliet, the number of things that happen where it's like, just no, just somebody talk. Oh my God. Like the tragedy of it is the failure of all of the adults in the world around them. And it's upsetting and it's tragic. And like, that's why it happens. But there's so many instances where it's like, literally just like, if this person talked to this person, nothing would be terrible and, and horrible anymore and then it's these teenagers who are like wildly overreacting to these relatively minor failures and inconveniences whereas henry the fourth it has sort of completely the opposite trajectory where it's this the main character is this dude who's essentially like a uh like a frat boy like screwing around his life who has all of this privilege and access and blah 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 blah, blah. and he over the course of the play realizes that he's in a position to be a huge source of good for literally hundreds of thousands of people if he can like rise to the challenge of being worthy of the crown and i think that there's something the redemption narrative there is just so compelling and so like more gratifying than like oh my god now here's miscommunication number seven and they're dead (laughs) i you Um, make you make a persuasive case and i have of long argued that tragedy is a much overrated genre so i'm happy to give the win here to henry the fourth part one yes i love that i'm so stoked about it um which is which leads us to a really fun delightful conclusion which is that we're down to the championship game and there are no more tragedies on the board we have a comedy versus history yeah um so that we're final final matchup here for for the crown the crown of crowns is uh is 12th night versus henry the fourth part one what are you thinking what are you feeling i i'm i'm feeling like in one if they just played one game it could go either way but over mm-hmm. 10 games I think Twelfth Night would be more successful more frequently than Henry Four Part One, so I'm going to give it to Twelfth Night. I think that's a. Uh, I, I, it breaks my heart, but I think you're right. I think if we, uh, I think if you were to see ten different productions, which is maybe the like fun way to think of the series, if you were to see ten different productions of each of these plays. I think you would enjoy Twelfth Night eight or nine out of those ten, and Henry the Fourth Part One maybe like five or six just because there's there's stuff in there that if you don't have the right fall staff or if you don't have the how that you need or if if the hot spur is not hot spurry enough or like whatever it is that, that can i think there's more that can derail that um and 12th night's just it's such a consistent there's it's, it's hard to get that one too wrong i think so 12th night the uh the third seated comedy makes a couple major upsets to uh to claim the title which argues that maybe 12th night was too lowly seated yeah, yeah, that's entirely entirely possible. Well, and it's not just the seedings, right? It's the it's which bracket you get put into. You know, completely. Yeah. Uh, Twelfth night is a, lucky it didn't go up against Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, no, there's a there's a version uh, a version. Excuse me, there's a version <laughs> of uh, of the the bracket dropping where you know just without even changing the seating, if Twelfth night had had ended up on the. Uh, in the fourth in the third region instead of the fourth it would have been the uh the three seed and it would have had to go up against tempest and then romeo and juliet that that would have been a harder harder path to victory 
That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing, which I'll share with you in about 60 seconds, so stick around. Send us your bracket busters via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram or on our own actual website, reducedshakespeare.com or visit my website, theshakespeareance.com. You can also check out Nate's work as a theater director at his website, natecohendirector.com. Thanks, as always, to number one seed Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, and music by John Weber and GarageBand. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Catherine Metcalf. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Stephen Weber, now starring on Chicago Med. And as always, thanks very much to you for listening. Please continue to stay safe, get your boosters, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 851-2553rds of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Nate Cohen, I want to thank you for taking us through this incredible round of March madness. Um, and I'm definitely going to turn the comments on at this episode on the website so people can weigh in about how we've thoroughly messed up these rankings. I was going to say, I don't know. I'm like, you, you, I think that's probably the correct thing to do. And I'm also a little terrified about what people's feelings are going to be. But thank you. Yeah, no, literally, there's no one else in the entire world that I would have rather done this particular exercise with than you. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company, reducing expectations since 1981. Go to reduceshakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters and so much less so much less so much less so much less